My goodness. All right, my goodness. All right, let's turn that pad. All right, the pad's fine. It's fine. Fine. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Let's have it on. <coughs> good. Can we turn the light on just a little bit, though? Maybe just a touch more. Hallelujah. I don't even know if that's possible, but um, I'm wrecked, man. My goodness. Thank you, uh, Tori and the crew. Got to hear Dad's name for you. So, um, just beautiful worship. I'm so weepy and tender. Amen? I'm weepy and tender. Ain't no other place I want to be. I want to be weepy and tender. Awesome. Well, good. Um, Lord, we love you. Amen. So, uh, let's go ahead and start. Go ahead and turn with me to Revelation 22. We'll just start there. And we'll get going. Yeah, I, I like the pad better than I do fans. Does anybody else sleep with fans? For your, for your, I do. It's one of the most amazing things in the world. I got the fan app on my phone. <laughs> Who else got the fan app? Yeah, come on, somebody. So whenever I hear, it, it's just almost like, you know, I guess it's Pavlov's theory. Whenever you hear a fan, I'll just start getting sleepy. <laughs> So I'm glad we ain't got fans going, so that'll happen. I can handle the pad, though. Uh, anyway, it's deep stuff. Um, thank you, Jesus. That was beautiful. We, I felt last night I felt some significant things happened. And again, I want to encourage you guys. I brought my one Glory Within book. I've got five. I brought Glory Within, and it's what I'm going yeah, to be talking into today, some of the main themes in it. I really feel like the Lord is, if I've got two sessions with you for the first time, these are the two, last night and this morning, if, there's, if you never hear me ever talk again for the rest of your life, then it would be last night and this morning. That's what I bleed. At the end of the day, I, I, I do, I have a lot of messages, have a lot of courses, a lot of things I do, but at the end of the day, it's the supremacy of Jesus and deep intimacy with Holy Spirit. And, and so I want to, and, and, and I thank the Lord, I, I want to recover this because the thing that the charismatics are most known for, tongues, are the thing we do the least of. And I want to invite you, there we go, that's good. I, I care, so when you see the glory within the interior life and the power of speaking in tongues, it's not just about a badge you get so you can walk around saying, I got it. I don't care if it, you got it. My question is, does it got you? And I want to tell you, it's not about tongues. It's about connection to a person. It's about fellowship with a person who is God. And so we're going to talk about Holy Spirit this morning. Because Holy Spirit's number one job description is bragging on Jesus 24-7. It's what he does. And I, I believe that the, the church needs to get into a deep intimacy with him. So good, I've got the book, and then I've got the online course on the beauty of God starting soon, and then I'm really excited as well. Brian may share some of it tonight, but we've got uh, Bridal Glory International Academy, and, and it's Brian's academy, a two-year academy, and I'm one of the instructors, and uh, Patricia King, and uh, it'll blow you up, man. I went, that's where I, me and Brian really got tight, spent three days with him, in, uh, and we just connected at a, such a deep level. It was so beautiful. 
So if that blesses you, I just feel like this is what I was hanging out with my friends this morning. I, I love the power of the igniting of things that like happened last night, but I want to go on a journey with some people and the discipleship and the, and the, and the stuff you don't get at a ministry line. And uh, uh, I'm just grateful for technology and where things are at today. All right, good. I want to look at Revelation 22:17, And uh, we'll start here. And I'm using glasses. I, I'm probably still about a year off from really needing them, but it's making me feel smarter. And so... <laughs> so this is mostly about my insecurity. So uh, I'm just going to use them. <laughs> but also too I just don't want to stray okay I'm a little lazy I just want to whatever Revelation 22 17 one of your last verses in your Bible the spirit and the bride say come let him who hears say come let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I want to say that verse again. Everybody just repeat. Say, the Spirit, the Spirit. And, the bride. and the bride say, come. There it is. Ooh, come on. And I'm reading from New King James. Yeah, we ain't that old stuff, man. We, we bring a New King James, man. We're in that new wine. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> At New King James. So that's what I read from. And um, I love this verse because it's one of the last verses in the Bible. <laughs> and it took 66 books to get us there. It took all of human history to get us there. And that verse is going to be the greatest miracle ever. And in that verse, you see three things. And you can just even have it up there in, in King James. It don't matter. It's the same thing. I'll, I'll read, thy spirit and thy bride. <laughs> Thou come. Um, there it is. That's fine. <laughs> there. Heareth. Come on, somebody. Now, it says the same thing in New King. It's the spirit and the bride say come. Three things in that simple phrase. Number one. Before the Lord returns, the Holy Spirit and the church are going to be in unity with one another. Guys, th that right there is a miracle. <laughs> the Holy Spirit and the church will be in unity. For the last 2,000 years, Holy Spirit, Spirit's been on FM, we've been on AM. Two different frequencies. But the whole body of Christ is going to come into unity with the Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two, the church is going to begin to operate in a specific identity. It's a bridal identity. The revelation of Jesus as bridegroom and us as his cherished bride is going to explode across the earth. Hallelujah. This transcends gender. Men, you are going to come into your bridal identity. Women, you are going to move into your sonship identity. It's sons, it's the bride, it speaks about partnership, ruling and co-ruling, but it's intimacy-based. 
It's rooted in intimacy and being cherished and loved and adored and the jealousy of the bridegroom and the, and the partnership. What I love is that he's not coming back for just workers. He's coming back for a bride. He's not looking for a workforce. He's looking for a partner. And I believe that when the nitrogen of the Holy Spirit meets the glycerin of the bride, we are going to see a global kaboom. We are going to see a global explosion, and I call come the breakthrough prayer. It's the breakthrough prayer. It's the prayer that provokes Jesus to move. The prayer that provokes Jesus to move. Do you know why Jesus is going to return? It's because we want him to. The church is going to get so sick with love so stricken with love sickness that we will begin to, in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, begin to cry out across the earth, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And our deep will call out to his deep. And I believe that uh, I was just doing a Bible study with a group of kids. Second Peter 3 says, and they will hasten the coming of the day of God. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God which that word hastening means speeding up. See, a lot of us just think of everything in God's timing as just stoic, indifferent. It's time. It's time for this. And we think of God as some mechanical being that has specific times, and that's when it happens. But you must understand that in God's economy, it's actually hunger and longing that expedites his coming and his manifestation, both in today and ultimately on that day. He comes back because he's wanted. He moves because he's wanted. Jesus didn't come at his first coming. There were a couple of intercessors in the temple day and night before the Virgin Mary was born. Those were prophetic midwives. Anna and Simeon were prophetic midwives that hastened the coming of Jesus. Are we good? All right. So that's where we're going. I like to put that. I, I, don't, I like to go right to the end and saying, because then I like to backtrack to saying, what are you doing today in me and in us to get us there? What is it that you're doing, God, that's going to bring us to that place to where the church and the Holy Spirit are in unity with one another? The church is operating in a bridal identity and number three, the anointing of prayer is the primary anointing on the end time church. The spirit of prayer. The spirit of prayer. Kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good service and it's a lot more than a good service. <laughs> That's a literal kingdom descending out of heaven and coming to the earth where the rule and the reign of Jesus will topple over everything from sea to shining sea and to where the government of Jesus Christ, he will rule the nations from Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Jesus is returning as the king, as the son of David, where he will rule on a real throne on the earth. It says in Isaiah 2, all the nations will flow to Jerusalem, and we will all come underneath Jesus' discipleship training school. Every economy, every government, 
every educational system, every agricultural system, every infrastructure of every nation, every king, and every leadership will come underneath the leadership of Jesus Christ. Everything will come underneath his dominion, his rule, his reign, and the meek ones will inherit the earth. The humble ones he will honor and exalt, not pride, arrogance, and pompousness, but he will exalt humility. He will exalt meekness. He will exalt servanthood. And the ones who have learned it in our little 60-year internship will be given 6,000 years and 6 billion years of rulership. <laughs> I'm not playing. What's going to get us here? All right, what's going to get us here? I like to say it this way. Great presence and great pressure. Think about what has gotten you to the place you're at right now. The very fact you're sitting in this room, and I know I'm looking to some saints that have been around a corner for a second. Y'all been in this thing for a second. Y'all been after God for decades. What is it that has contributed to your development in God? Presence and pressure. Presence and pressure. Glory and gory. <laughs> and I believe that God wants, what we're going to see, I want you to understand this, and I said this last night. I'm telling you that Acts 2 did not fulfill Joel's prophecy. On the day of Pentecost, when he says, this is that which was spoken by Joel, he was, he, he, he was saying, Joel's prophecy has begun. Okay? I want to make it very clear to you right now. I believe God is in the midst of reforming wineskins in the body of Christ. We are seeing wineskins shift, and I believe that praying churches are going to be the only churches in this coming generation. The days of Sunday-only Christianity are over. No, no, it's dead. It's dead. Now, it may kick and scream and look like it's still going on, but it's a time. Praying churches will be the only churches because my house shall be called a house of prayer. Mike Bickle didn't come up with that. Some Korean guy didn't come up with that. Isaiah prophesied it thousands of years ago, and we are going to see the church begin to operate as a house of prayer. Our primary purpose is ministering to God. We minister to the lost. We minister to families. We minister to the poor. We minister to the sick. Who's ministering to God? God's the one forgotten one in the room. And I believe that God wants to bring us back to the center of all eyes on Him. Long and loving adoration and affection and devotion on the Son of God. And that all ministry flows out of ministry to him. It's loving adoration, anointing him, and agreeing with his rule and his reign and releasing his will into the earth. We're in the middle of a wineskin shift. The church is moving into the zeal for his house is consuming him. Do you know Jesus cleansed the temple at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry? He did it twice. And what was he saying? My house shall be called a house of prayer. And he will turn over tables. 
He will jack up systems. He will shake things that can be shaken. He will remove everything that can be removed so that that which cannot be shaken remains. And we are in the middle of this shift right now, and I believe that God's going to raise up apostolic centers, apostolic communities that put God back at the center, that put ministry to God back at the center from which all other ministries flow out of. I like to say Jesus did not die for 45 minutes and 20 bucks. He didn't die for that so we could live the other six days, 23 hours and 15 minutes of our weeks disconnected. <laughs> You're like, man, that's intense. I, I, I'm serious about this. He's doing it. The wineskin shifted, but I want to tell you right now, new, a new wineskin is being built because he's not going to pour new wine into old wineskins. And I, I love I'm just saying Sunday only Christianity. I love the gathering of the saints. I love Sunday morning. I'm looking forward. That's why I'm going back home early so I can be home Sunday morning with my church family. It's not about doing away with it, but it's about communities built around the presence. Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, to where we build lives around God and Him not being a slice of our pie. That's the radical shift. And that God's going to employ his ones, those ones that are called in more full-time way to be before the flame. But we'll all join in together. But we're going to be businessmen and doctors and lawyers that come do 6 a.m. prayer before they go to work. Life will be built around the corporate reality. God is remembering David's vow. Lord, remember David. Can you put Psalm 132 up here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 132, Lord, remember David, all his afflictions. He swore to the Lord. Let's keep going. He vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Verse 3, I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty one of Jacob. David, you know why Jesus is called the son of David? Because of that. Jesus is not the son of Saul. Saul had the opportunity. You know what David caught a hold of when he was a little kid, probably about 15 years old, on the backside of the hills of Bethlehem? I have an audience with God. And that God sees me and God hears me and I have intimacy with God. I care less about anything else but being near Him. I want to look at Him, I want to sing to Him, and I want to be with Him. Do you know that so moved God's heart? When He took the kingdom from Saul, He says, I found a man after my own heart. And I feel like the Lord shifted my message. I was starting with Revelation 22, but He said, you got to tell him Psalm 132 this morning. Last night was significant. I felt like God's releasing building permits to you guys. This is a building permit weekend. <clears throat> and I'm not talking about physical only. I'm talking about something from heaven. He's saying, amen, go for this. It's time. It's that haggy. I don't say it's not time. It's time. So David... 
caught a hold of God. And we know the story of David. That thing opened up a door. The primary anointing on David is that when he'd play instruments, demons would leave Saul. That's on this drummer. When he plays, you feel the anointing. Anointed musicians that can, that can create environments for the devils to leave people's mind and for clarity to come on people. It's called prophetic worship. It's going to be restored. I come from Kansas City where Bob Jones received the audible voice of God. I'm going to raise up 24-7 prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. Singers and musicians. You know what David did? David goes through his life, gets hunted by his father-in-law. It's crazy for a long time. Finally becomes king. And the first order of business as king is you got to go find the ark. we got to get it back to Jerusalem. And then David built a tent for the ark. He, he removed all the veils. Moses had tons of veils. David says, the Lord showed me we're removing all the veils. And he put 4,000 musicians... 288 singers paid all their bills and said, now prophesy before the glory. Sing before the glory. Minister before the glory. God showed me he's enthroned in the praises of his people. His government descends. His throne descends as we put him back at the center. And that's what ushered in the golden era of Israel. And of Zion was the glory that David discovered. And that's what ushered in Solomon's reign. Was what David touched in the heart of God. And this is the thing that I love about David. He wasn't even satisfied with God having a tent. He said, we're not stopping there. I mean, we know David's story. He's a jacked up dude. He did a whole bunch of mess. But, it's the God, but God, and God, he had to pay the consequences. There were real consequences in his generational line because of his sins. The Lord still dealt with the consequences, but on the big scale, Acts 13 says that David fulfilled all the will of God in his generation. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. God, did you read David's story? He goes, yeah, he, and I had, to, I had to spank him. But this dude so moved me. Can you put up here, and I know we don't have New King James, so it'll feel a little weird, but put 2 Samuel 7 up here. I wasn't even planning on preaching on this this morning. I usually don't preach this message because to a people that it's not called to, it can be a burden. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord, had, I love this, the Lord, had, so David gets the tabernacle going and this is what begins to happen. The Lord gave him rest from all of his enemies. That's what happens when you get God back at the center. He begins to topple down all your enemies. Divine order comes. Divine peace comes. Divine prosperity comes. There's, there's finances, there's resources, there's government there's the release of his presence. God gave him rest from all of his enemies. And I love this. God gave him his rest. He found his rest in God, but David was still burdened. Let's go to the next verse. And the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in curtains. David says, I've got my rest in God, but God's not resting. 
I'm living in this fat house and God's out there in a tent. Well, I love this. That's what Nathan said. Nathan said to the king, go do all that's in your heart. The Lord's with you. Whatever you want to do, king, God's got you. What do you want to do? And then Nathan goes to bed that night, verse 4. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan. And he says, this way he says, yeah, just take your time right here. And he says, go and tell my servant David. Oh, this touches me. You're, I'm about to read you possibly one of the top three to four verses in the Bible. He goes, this is what I want you to go tell David. Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Okay? Keep going. Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Keep going. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, and, and you know, it's King James, but he says, have I ever spoke a word to anybody whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? Which means what the Lord's saying is, have I ever asked anyone to ever build me this? I've been living in a tent. I've been a sojourner. I moved with the children of Israel through the wilderness. I'm a tent dweller. I stay in hotels. I've never asked anybody for a fixed location where I would be adored and worshipped. I've never asked anybody for this. But the thing that separates David from everybody else is David wanted to give something to God that God had never explicitly asked for. Isn't that the glory of marriage? When you can give your wife something she hasn't even articulated. To bring forth the greatest longing in her heart, David wanted to give God a fixed place. I believe this moment so touched him. He goes, this is what I want you to tell David. Tell him I was with him from the sheep coat, from following the, my sheep to be ruler over my people, which means I've been with you since the early days. Keep going. He goes, I've delivered you. I've given you a great name. Next verse. I'm going to appoint a place for my people Israel. I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own. He goes, I'm going to plant Israel. And oh, David, you want to build me a house? Next verse. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Oh, yeah, go back. You know what? I just can't read this in King James. Everybody get your Bible open. Because I can't have you miss this. Can't be looking no sheep coat. about to break into tongues. I don't know what that is. (laughs) David's longing was to build God a house. I'm going to read it from you. I'm going to read it to you in New King. Hopefully you've got something similar. He goes, go tell my servant David, verse 5. It says that New King James, would you? But when I read this, I almost hear God saying, you mean you would? You mean you would build a house for me to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house. I've never asked anybody. I've never asked anybody to build me a house. Verse 8 goes, tell David that I took him from the sheepfold. When nobody knew his name, I took him. 
and I've made him ruler over my people Israel, and I've been with him, and I've given him a great name. Verse 10, and I want you to know that I'm going to appoint a place for my people Israel. I'm going to plant them, that they may dwell in the place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore. He says, I commanded them to be judges over my people and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Now get your seatbelt on. Also, the Lord tells you. So the Lord said three things. David, I've been with you. I'm going to establish Israel. And oh, by the way, you want to build me a house? This is what I want you to go tell David. I'm going to make him a house. Which means this. He says that I want you to tell him that he will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. Look at verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Do you know what the Lord just told David? Oh, you want to build me a house? See, I believe that God had been holding on to this card. Where's the king? Where's the king? Where's the king? And when David said, God, I want to build you a house, a holy eruption broke out of God. And God says, you're the one I've been looking for. And the very fact you want to give me this place I want you to know that I have been waiting for the promised Messiah and on the king and on the family that he would come through. And I want you to know because of this act and your longing, my son is now going to become your son. And you will be the great, great, great grandfather of the Messiah. And he will sit on your throne forever and forever he will be called the son of David. Do you know what this is about? People who go after building God a house, they get something more than a temporary breakthrough in their generation. They get generational legacy. There's something about generational legacy. Something that transcends your brief moment in time and goes for decades and centuries. Something that lives forever before God of moms and dads that take their life and saying, I'm here for you, God. Do you know it was Solomon saying, Psalm 132, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. Do you know how God answered that prayer? He said, fire from heaven. We're always called to remember God, aren't we? Lord, remember, remember your son, remember your son. What does God feel when he hears the name David? Yesterday, I, I've been just tweeting stuff from Leonard Ravenhill. I don't, somebody's been taking over. And I know he died back in the 90s. So, But uh, I follow him on Twitter, and whoever runs his account just pretty much quotes all the Leonard Ravenhill quotes. And so whoever's been doing it has just been really picking it up. And so I've been retweeting stuff saying, man, Leonard's on fire. <laughs> Leonard's on fire. And somebody wrote me and says, he's been dead for 30 years. <laughs> I knew that, but then I, I did a little touche on him. I put a little Hebrews 11 verse 4 where it talks about Abel. 
that though he's dead, he still speaks. <laughs> A little touche on him. I said, I know. <laughs> I want a life that's living before God for thousands of years. I want a great, 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 great grandson, Bobby Russell in 2120, to, to, to walk in realities, to be born on second base or third base of the things of God, of the openness to heaven, of an awareness of God from an early age, from a, from a divine plumb line that calls them into righteousness their whole life. And they don't even know why it is. They're not even in touch with some old grandfather way back. But I want to tell you what I'm going after is that generational legacy that calls everyone in my generational lines into a divine alignment with heaven. And that my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren have a sensitivity to God and a love for God and discernment and a love for righteousness and a love for His presence and, 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 and something in heaven. And it's because when God even reminisces on human lives, He gets nostalgic. <laughs> I want to stir up God's divine nostalgia. He goes, oh, I like Corey. You mention his name, I get tender. I start releasing fire. I start releasing divine breakthroughs. Breakthroughs. It's not about doing it perfect as we got it from David. Solomon said, Lord, remember David. Some of us would go, oh, God, don't remember me and the stupid stuff I did. But when Solomon said, Lord, remember my dad. Fire came down from heaven. Fire came down and glory filled the temple. And Jesus will forever be called the son of David. <laughs> uh, we can't really fully understand that because we don't live in kind of a, a king and that kind of mindset. Closest thing I can come up with is 2 Samuel 7 is God looking at Corey saying, Messiah's coming, and his last name will be Russell. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? His last name's going to be Russell. I can't think of anything of a greater validation of a life and of a choice. Anyway, I believe that God is setting up these wineskins across the earth. I believe he's marking people with David. This is what happens when you, because do you know what the greatest longing in the heart of God is? I like to call it, what's God's love language? David learned God's love language. 
What's the greatest longing in the heart of God? Tell me. Quality time. John 17, 24. Father, I desire, I want them with me where I am. I believe the ultimate longing of God is for heaven and earth to fully dwell, unhindered, no blockages, God and man, heaven and earth. Complete union between God and man in heaven and earth. It's for the two to become one. The greatest longing is for God to dwell on the earth. Few people in history have ever touched that. Even fewer have said, God, I'm going to throw my life into becoming the answer to your longing in my generation. Jesus. Come on, Seraphine. <clears throat> David touched it, and David says, God, I won't rest until you rest. I won't rest till you rest. I won't rest till you rest. I declare war on the God of comfort. I declare war on the God of ease. I declare war on the God of my bed. War on the God of the American dream. That's what David did in Psalm 132. He declared war on the American dream so the heavenly dream would be manifested in his generation. God, I want you to be, have a place on the earth where you're adored. New England deserves to have pillars of fire where God is worshipped in New England. God, we're going to shift the narrative. We're going to shift. We're going to shift it, God. Cold, dead, intellectual devils. We're going to topple down the majesty of man. And we're going to see God adored, God worshiped in New England. We're going to see God adored in the simplicity of devotion and crying in rooms. God, we want to have places all over, all over New England to where you are adored and where there is incense that rises from these places all over New England and that saturates the atmosphere, that shifts the atmosphere and that destroys the God of this age and tears down the prince of the power of the air that exalts intellectualism, that exalts humanism, that exalts pro, uh, that exalts the God of mammon and the God of sexuality and the God of the American dream and we topple it down by the exaltation of Christ and it's simple rooms it's rooms that are given for him you got thousands of rooms that exalt man here and all those things they have their place but boy they better come second place that's what we're going to, that's what David did. That's what moved God. I won't rest till you rest. <laughs> I won't rest. I ain't going up at the chamber of my house. I'm not looking for a retirement plan. Nothing flies in the face of what everybody's after, like that kind of statement. 
I'm not living to do whatever. Anyway, anyway. All right. That's the wineskin. And I believe in all those things do that, but I'm not here to give disclaimers today. I'm here to punch some devils in the head. Punch some devils in the head and say, Jesus, have some Davids all over New England. Have some rooms in Maine. Have some rooms in New Hampshire. Some rooms, God, in Rhode Island. And have some rooms in Connecticut. Have some rooms, God, where you're adored. In Massachusetts, Jesus. Oh, God, I pray that you would do it. Hallelujah. We, I love it. We're going to see Harvard grads getting their degree and then spending 50 years in rooms ministering to Jesus. <laughs> Get that degree and then go waste it at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some are called into this. I, I'm all about the seven mountains, but what about Jesus' mountain? somebody talk about Jesus' mountain. I just want to tell you that I just love it. I feel like God's called you guys to build him a room here, to build him a room. He's with you. He's in this whole shift that you guys are in. And uh, I know, I just say, just follow your thirst. He will bring the, the God, the what ifs, he's going to supply. It's the season of you saying, God, I need you to take care of these five things. I'll obey you. I'll do what you tell me to do, but I need you to handle the other things, and you need to let whatever dropped in my heart. Me and Miles were driving back from the airport yesterday. He just starts sharing. He's in the middle of transition, and he just starts sharing with me, and it's almost like the burden just dropped in my stomach, and I went immediately into intercession. And he's just feeling the call from the Lord to get away and be with the Lord, and I'm just like, oh, this is a divine shift and a transition. He's with you. All right, I think I started Revelation twenty two seventeen. I was going to talk about Holy Spirit this morning. He's here. Last night we hit on the artist. We hit on the artisans. There's going to be singers and musicians. The singers and musicians. The intercessors. I see a lot of older saints in here. We got to have some Hannahs that begin to labor for some Samuels. We got to get some Hannahs that begin to labor for some Samuels and get our kids in a room of the presence. Get them on instruments early. Get them in the presence early. Jesus. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. Jesus, I want you to be famous in New England, Jesus. I want you to be adored in New Hampshire, Jesus. I want you to be adored in New England, Jesus. I want you to be exalted. I want David's, that spirit that was on David to come on us. You know what it says? Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Psalm 69, 
zeal for your house has eaten me up. I'm a preacher, I'm a this, I'm a that, I write books, I do things, but I want to tell you what I'm really dreaming about for my retirement plan is to do early morning prayer meetings, cry over Bible verses. This is my goal for my life. I want to cry over Bible verses. And then I want to stand up and ask the one I've walked with for decades to release his kingdom, to release revival and breakthrough and deliverance and activity and the glory of God in the nations. And because I'm asking him, he's doing it. And because I'm asking him, I then watch it on the news to see that he did it when I asked him. (laughs) Intercessors, they leverage their personal intimacy with God for the sake of others. Jesus, Lord, we love you. That's what I want to do with my life. That's what my vision is for my 70 through 95. Sit in the room and cry. <laughs> you're like, you're an idiot. No, that's it, man. That's what I want to do. Thank you, God. I want to pray for you guys. I want to add, I, I'll talk about Revelation 22, 17. You get the book. You find other things on Holy Spirit. He is absolutely critical, but I feel like this is an important weekend. I feel like this is an important time, and I feel like I'm just supposed to come and say, do it. Just do it. Do what's in your heart. Haggai came to the people and says, stop saying it's not time to do it. And I'm going to come in that same spirit of Haggai and Zechariah saying, do it. He's worthy. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Yeah, just open up your hand. I, wanna, I just want to ask, because I know there's all kinds of different people. I know last night we really hit it hard, and it's, it's actually something I slipped into that I never really thought much. I, I'm not mostly geared that way, so it's something new, which makes it even probably more the Lord. But at the same time, I want you to know that he's anointing musicians and singers. I didn't go into it tonight, but, but this morning, because I want you to know that one of the primary anointings on the church is going to be the anointings on singers and musicians. The power of song. God's going to create rooms to where prophetic singers sing love songs to Jesus, and it's going to bring healing from trauma. It's going to literally reconstruct people's psyches. Zephaniah 2 and Zephaniah 3 says that Jesus is going to sing over the remnant of Israel. And it says that he's going to quiet them in his love. 
He's going to rejoice over them with singing, and he's going to quiet them in his love. And I believe that God's going to heal a traumatized generation, an abused generation, an abandoned generation. He's going to put Humpty Dumpty's back together again by the power of song. Songs are going to reconnect, going to reconnect brain uh, waves, heal brains, heal emotions, heal, heal bodies. Break the power of the tormentor. Break the power of the accuser. Break the spirit of anxiety. Break the spirit of fear. Now we're going to see right now the power of singers that sing love songs. People are going to go from deep dejection and rejection. And they're going to come into bridal identity. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Where are my singers and musicians at? Raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Just because I, I, I want you to come up here. Just make a line across here. One line across here. Hallelujah. Singers and musicians, make a line across here. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. All morning long I've been in the scripture where God took of the spirit that was on Moses, that prophetic burden, the Massah, and put it on the 70. And that we have clarification of that in the scripture. We're in the tabernacle of David. David appointed Chenaniah in chief of the, the worship, of the singing. That's that same word, the Massah, the bringing forth of the prophetic burden, that prophetic flow, that anointing. And he put it on Chenaniah, not just because he was gifted, but because he became skillful in it. And I was just sharing with Corey, I think what the Lord is doing and wanting to do in what he's put on Corey's heart is a releasing of what Corey carries for that Massah. God wants to, God wants to put it on all of us. And Moses' response to God taking that what was on him and delivering it to even two that couldn't even make it to the meeting, God wanted them to have it, and he still put it on them. And when some who were in the meeting complained and said they weren't even in the meeting and they got their portion, Moses said, I would that all of God's people were prophets and would prophesy, would have the prophetic mantle and burden. Let's just ask him right now. I feel like that, that is what's in my heart. Hallelujah. 
Yeah, it's, it's happening, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to pray for you guys. I'm just going to begin to go through here and pray. Where are my intercessors at, huh? Where are our intercessors? It's the rest of us, all of us. I want you to come make a line behind them. We're gonna, I'm just going to go through here and pray for you guys today. Hey! Hey! God, I ask you, everything that you've put on my life, God, concerning the house of prayer, 20 years, David's longing, David's vow, the vow that changed history. God, I pray that zeal would begin to rest upon your people. Release the prophetic spirit, God, this Massah. Release, God, I pray right now, skillful singers and musicians, skillful, skill, musicianship, skill, prophetic anointing. And some of you will have to sing your way into it. Isaiah 54, single barren woman. More are the children of the barren than the married. God, I just pray right now, release it, God. Hallelujah. Release that prophetic spirit. Singers and musicians. Singers and music, fire, God. Spirit of prophecy, raise up prophets. God, I pray in, in New Hampshire, in Mass. Hallelujah, God. Put it on your people. Prophetic spirit. Hey. Grace for long hours. Grace for long hours. Grace to linger like Joshua. Prophetic spirit, God, rest upon your people. God, I pray to awaken Hannah's cry for a Samuel generation. Awaken a Hannah cry for a Samuel generation, Jesus. 